Welcome, everyone. It's a good day to be in God's Word. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can learn more about the amazing work we're doing around the world by going to traincpe.org. And to learn about our Missions Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now, let's turn our focus to an account in 2 Kings chapter 2, where we read of the passing of a great prophet, Elijah, who avoided what only one other person on the face of the earth has avoided, Enoch. Enoch and Elijah both went to heaven and avoided death. Now, what does that mean for you and for me? Elijah is about to be translated to heaven without seeing death. And the same thing actually happens to one other prophet in the Bible, the first prophet in the Bible that we're introduced to, Enoch. He was the first great prophet of God. In, in Genesis chapter 5, we have a brief mention of Enoch. We have the story or the outline of the lineage of Adam down to the time of the flood in the days of Noah. And as each individual person is introduced to us and mentioned, we would notice, among other things, that they lived a remarkably long time. We can't relate to it. For example, you'll read in that chapter that Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalalel, and then Canaan lived 840 years, had sons and daughters, so all the days of Canaan were 910 years. Kind of hard to relate to that. It's a long lifespan. And this is mentioned over and over again. This long lifespan that these different individuals live in this succession of lineages that's laid out for us in Genesis chapter 5. But the word that's intended to get our attention as you're reading this and this long life that these different individuals live and the word that we might have a hard time relating to as well, but it will be true of us. We're not going to live on this earth 900 and so odd years. But this part you can relate to or you will relate to one day. The word is, and he died. No matter how long they lived, and he died, and he died, and he died. And so Seth lived so many years, and he died. And Enosh lived so many years, and he died. And Canaan lived so many years, and he died. And Mahalalel lived so many years, and he died. And on and on it goes. And then in the middle of that litany of life and death, you come to this expression of the life of Enoch. And there it says, Enoch walked with God and was no more for God took him in it in stark contrast to what is communicated to us throughout the rest of that chapter. And the same thing is out to happen to Elijah. Elijah is going to be taken as well. What we're going to do this morning is we're not going to focus on the remarkable manner in which Elijah is departing from this world and he leaves this world today. Instead, what we're going to do is seemingly learn an unremarkable lesson from this example of Enoch and Elijah, and it's this. They're the exception that proves the rule. They're the exception that proves the rule. The rule is, and he died, and he died, and he died. It's the progressive litany of the passing of time, and it will be said of you and I one day too. And so, let's just start right there, and let's let this be our first point of consideration from 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, there we read, It came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven that Elijah and Elisha went from Gilgal. And here's the first point. It's simply this. Eternity is just ahead. Or you are before eternity. It's just one step ahead of us. 
we are but one step from it, and death will be our portal into eternity. The scripture lets us know that this step into eternity is not a step into some kind of uneventful void or some static state of emptiness, but rather eternity is to be experienced and to be known either as a glorious and unending gain or as a destructive existence of unending pain. It's the duty of a pastor to prepare people for God's grace to enter into that time of eternity and to enter into and experience that unending gain. It's the duty of a pastor to lead people to live their life by God's grace and to depart from this life by God's grace as well. I want to speak to individuals here who have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus as their Savior from sin, who is the giver of life, of eternal life. If you've done that, you are ready to pass through this portal. You are ready to meet with the Lord Jesus and you can walk with him even today through this life. You're ready to go with him through the valley of the shadow of death and you're ready to go with him as he takes you into the feast of eternal benefits and joy. And what you discover is as you face eternity is that the answer to the great eternal questions and transcendent questions before us are not principles, they're a person. They're the person of Jesus Christ. By the way, this is what Jesus said he had come to do for us and provide for us. He had come to be an answer to the great aching voids and questions that come before us when we face eternity. People have portrayed the Lord Jesus as this soft-spoken, wise, humble man who was a great teacher. But if you read the gospel accounts of him, although at times you might identify that he was soft-spoken and humble and he was a great teacher, you can't stop there. It's impossible to read the story of the Lord Jesus as it's recorded in the Gospels, and no matter how humble he may see at times, no matter how soft-spoken he seems at times, no matter how wise his words are at times, it's impossible to read the account of Christ's life and not come away, if you simply identify him as a man, not come away with the impression that his words are incredibly arrogant, incredibly arrogant. Here's an example. If you're to go to a recently occupied grave and to meet at that grave with a family member who is mourning over that grave at that moment in time, one of the things you should not do is draw attention to yourself and talk about yourself and aggrandize yourself before the individual. That would be, I think you would understand, entirely inappropriate, right? in the middle of that person's sorrow, and in the middle of confronting that, the awfulness of death and the great and tremendous force, the sudden concrete reality of death, to sit there and talk about you and how good you are and how meaningful you are and what your life should be to that other person. But if you go and you study the life of the Lord Jesus and you might go with him and stand before a weeping Martha who is weeping over the newly occupied tomb of her brother Lazarus, you'll find that what the Lord Jesus does in that moment is he does exactly what you shouldn't do. He draws all the attention to himself and he talks about himself. He says, Martha, basically, Martha, look at me. Look at me. You need to know who I am. You need to understand me. Here's what he says in John chapter 11, 25 and 26. He said to her, which by the way, when you read a passage that says he said to her, it means he drew all her attention to himself. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. 
and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? As she's mourning and weeping over the death of her brother, as she's facing the solidity of death and the great sorrow and confusion of death, maybe you've confronted that before. Maybe you've been in a funeral home and you've stood over the lifeless body of someone that you love who's been prepared for burial and you've had individuals come in and wouldn't it be horrific if they came in and started talking to you about how important they were? Here the Lord Jesus comes at this very moment and says these very stunning and shocking words and listen if he's just a good soft-spoken teacher, how absolutely arrogant, how impossible to conceive such an idea of him in that moment. The Christian is an individual who has confronted his sinfulness, his brokenness, the consequences of his sin, which is death. And before the gaping abyss of the confusion they have brought on their own lives because of their sins, and the gaping abyss of the unanswered questions that lie before them in eternity, they've met the Lord Jesus. And they've heard the Lord Jesus ask this very question of them. I am the resurrection and life. Though a person die, yet shall he live if he believes in me. And if he lives and believes in me, he shall never die. Do you believe this? And in that moment, meeting him and seeing him, the Christian is someone who's answered in the exact same way that Martha answers the question. Here's what Martha said to him. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. You're the Savior, the Son of God, who has come into the world. If you've done this, then you're prepared for this life and you're prepared for the life to come and you're prepared for the passageway between the two. Ravi Zacharias, one of this century's greatest apologists in the Christian faith, a man who lectured at Ivy League schools and had an office at Oxford and was a frequent guest to heads of state and a tireless preacher of the gospel, I had a great opportunity to meet him and to spend a brief period of time with him and have breakfast with him, just myself and his aide, on one occasion, this great man, when he was a teenager in Delhi, India, was a failure in school. Listen, when you're a failure at school in India, you're a failure. And the whole purpose of your life, by the way, as a young person growing up in these Eastern cultures, is to avoid bringing shame to your family, but instead bringing honor to your family. And all that Robbie could see was the potential of his future life was to just add and heap shame upon his family because he was such a poor student. He made the comment that all he wanted to do was be a tennis player, but he knew he wasn't really good enough to ever accomplish much as a tennis player. Added to that, he had a a lonely, empty life that was full of questions, he said, without any answers. And so he decided to end his life. He stole a concoction of chemicals from a school lab. He brought them back home. He locked himself in the bathroom of his family home. He mixed that concoction together and drank it. A servant found him, rushed him to the hospital. They fought to keep him alive. While they were fighting to keep him alive, a man came to his room with a little red Gideon New Testament in his hands. And Ravi's mother spoke to the man and said that you're not to come in this room right now because my son is in critical condition. He answered the mother and said, Ma'am, your son needs this more than anything else. And so he was allowed to turn the book to John chapter 14. And from that chapter he read... 
Robbie Zacharias at that time was in and out of consciousness and doesn't recall any of the words that were read except for one brief statement that was read while that man was before him. They were the words of Jesus saying, because I live, you will live also. And all the sorrow and sadness of ongoing failure and suffering and all the unanswered questions of his life were extinguished in these words of hope when all of a sudden he's discovered that what he needed to learn was not a principle, but what he needed to discover was a person. A person that was greater than life and a person who came from out of eternity and was gonna, would lead him back into eternity and answer all of this for him. And he trusted and believed in him and he pursued him and he came to know him and then became a tireless preacher of Jesus. Just the other day, by the way, on Friday, he was buried. May 19th, he died. They had his service just this last Friday. I would recommend to you, by the way, I haven't had a chance to look at it myself, but I'd recommend that you take some time today and watch the service that was recorded for him. My understanding is that he's asked that on his tombstone those words be written from the Lord Jesus. Because I live, you shall live also. You're before eternity. There is something great beyond this life. It's not an endless void. It's not something of your own making. It's something that was before you came into existence and something that you will enter into for all eternity and you need to be prepared to meet it and you won't meet it with principles. You won't meet it with rules. You won't meet it with a few good works. You'll only be prepared to meet this with a person. Your own construction of truth and idea will not suit it. Only the truth will answer it. And Jesus again said of himself, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. Thanks for joining us today. I trust that God would seal these words to your heart. If you want a copy of this broadcast, just reach out to us at breadoflifeboise.org. Until next time, God bless you.